Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in ed tech. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. On this episode, we look at some of the latest stories to be posted to eSchool News, including topics that touch on the importance of mental wellness in teachers, not just students, ideas to infuse critical thinking in ELA and social studies, and the future of assessment and project-based learning. First, this is an issue that I think is hugely important and frankly, pretty upsetting. Of course, we all know about our collective group trauma as a result of this pandemic, but we also know that children especially and the educators that work with them have been tasked with the impossible job of teaching and learning in this crazy time, and it's leading to some pretty literally depressing results. Rodney Krauss, a fourth grade teacher in North Carolina, reflects on his own experiences in a piece on eSchool News called Three Tactics to Center Educator Wellness. And he offers some straightforward advances to improving those mental wellness needs in teachers. He writes, while we correctly center students in the education conversation, we also need to discover educator wellness. The 2021-2022 school year is notable in that it's marked by a shocking staff shortage that continues to grow. One reason most likely is the extreme measures that teachers have to endure to ensure that students get a great education. Think about stuff like giving up lunchtime, planning periods, days off, professional development on your own time. This means 48% of teachers are thinking of quitting and that number could be growing. So are there any solutions? Rodney has a few. He writes, number one, it's important to infuse SEL, social emotional learning, into the classroom. Beginning to incorporate social emotional learning strategies into your instruction and school day can seem overwhelming. He knows it was for him at first, but once he did, it certainly was a help. Number two, he writes, bring your true self to the classroom. I'm not going to lie, as a gay man, I have encountered bigotry from various groups. But since 2008, I decided to stop hiding and since then have strived to be my truest and best self. For me, that manifests in the little things, like wearing a pride pin on my lanyard or always standing up for human rights, even when it's difficult. And number three, find your space and connect with others. This may sound cliche, he writes, but taking time for yourself is essential. It's the time you spend working on yourself that allows you to give time and energy to others. So that was probably obvious advice, but it's also hugely important and worth being reminded of. Be sure to check the story out in the top news stories. I think I'll plan to follow some of his advice myself. Next, there's a really practical piece called Four Ideas to Infuse Critical Thinking in ELA and Social Studies. It was written by Tara Tarango. She's the director of an education officer of the Van Andel Institute for Education. And I must admit, when I first started reading the piece, I had to do a little bit of my own critical thinking to get just what a definition is. And so went to Wikipedia and here's what it is. Critical thinking is the analysis of available facts, evidence, observations, and arguments to form a judgment. The subject is complex. Several different definitions exist which generally include the rational, skeptical, and unbiased analysis or evaluation of factual evidence. So, phew. And before you say anything, I checked all the primary sources on that Wikipedia definition, and they all are accurate. So anyway, as we go further into this, 
Tara writes about four different ways that you can use these elements to put into ELA and social studies. Number one, personification. Have students write letters from one inanimate object to another. For example, primary grade students may write a letter from the day of the week, Monday, to the day of the week, Friday. Older students may write a letter from the character in a novel to another character, or have a historical or literary figure write a critique of a contemporary song, show, or movie. What would Napoleon Bonaparte think of the latest Spider-Man movie? How might Beethoven review the latest song from Jay-Z? Next, the use of concept maps. Create a concept map after a read-aloud or guided reading session that focuses on the reading and comprehension strategies. Then have students investigate related nonfiction content and have them revisit their own concept map, adding expository information in a different color. Next, shallow and deep. A Venn diagram works well when we want students to compare and contrast. However, if you want them to think more deeply, ask them to find shallow, aka obvious similarities, and then deeper, not so obvious ones. Finally, use the RAF strategy to differentiate instruction and promote creative thinking. Another one of these great education acronyms, right? You can assign students a role, R for role, an audience, A for audience, format, F for format, and finally, T for topic. For example, you may have students present a topic that is related to their reading, and students might choose to play the role of a newscaster, present in the format of a cartoon, and pretend their audience are parents. Anyway, there's a bunch of resources, a bunch of other tools, both online and in print, that this piece has, and I would encourage any educator to use those They all seem like great suggestions. Makes me want to go back to school again. Finally, head over to the webinars tab at eschoolnews.com and find a webinar entitled Engaging the Impact of Personalized Learning. I was able to host this riveting conversation with Bill Daggett, who is the founder of Successful Practices Network and the International Center for Leadership and Education. Nyoka McCoy, Senior Vice President and Chief Academic Officer at Stride, joined us as well as Phil Emer. He's principal at the AWS K-12 vertical team. Now, Yoka, in this little snippet I have here, breaks down some particulars of how assessment techniques will begin to look going forward. Have a listen. Talk a little bit about the technologies of assessment when it comes to implementing personalized learning in districts. Yeah, I think that the assessments will will differ and vary across the board, but I think that as we're looking at how we should be assessing students, I think at least a lot of people are now moving to pre-test and post-test. You know, a lot of time we just try to test them after they've learned the content but really focusing on a pretest because when you think about personalized learning, you need to know where those students are so you can then develop a plan to try to help them get to the next point. So I need to know how to meet you at your current level to be able to, and I need to know what that data looks like for you to be able to create a plan to ensure that you master the skills that are forthcoming in the classroom. But not only that, I think the key about pretesting and is allow students to make mistakes before they actually dive into the content. I've seen over the past year that schools and teachers are allowing students to make more mistakes and then using those mistakes as teachable moments. That's that's still assessing your students. You're allowing them to actually be curious and try to figure things out, whether it's a project that they're starting with or an inquiry-based assignment that they're doing first and foremost before they even get, you know, get into the actual knowledge they need to know, but allow them to do some research and find things on their own. 
is a lot of teachers had to actually move shift to that type of learning strategy because of the pandemic, especially if students were online or they're not face to face. They, you know, when you're online, you have access to so many materials. And I think Bill uh, kind of alluded to that. You have, you know, internet, you can use different web searches. You have all of these things that you don't have in the physical classroom when a student's right in front of you. And so I think just opening up that door allows students to, one, really find the information and learn things on their own, but it allows the teacher to change how they assess as well. We have the standardized testing. We know that's a thing. We have a unit test. We know that's a thing, but also just testing as the students are going through the process. So checks for understanding, whether you're doing a quick pretest or a quick uh, in the middle of the session test. And so, you know, when we're in live sessions, you just wanna stop for a moment, engage where the students are to make sure that they're one following along or everybody's moving in the same direction. They might not be moving at the same pace, but at least they're going in the same direction. I think it's key for teachers to be able to pivot and be able to do that in, you know, in an informal way, but then also to have the formal assessments as well. And you find that a lot of districts and, and schools are trying to figure out what tests work best, right? So NWA, STAR, we use those tools, but trying to figure out are they truly predictive of what the student will do on the state assessment and trying to figure out whether or not it's a true gauge of students' growth. And so I think we also have a lot of districts that are questioning that as well. It's, you know, there's iReady, there's Dibbles, there's a lot of different assessment tools out there. Everybody's trying to figure out what works, but I think as far as part of personalized learning, having those more informal checks is really what's going to help students grow because you're working with that student, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one or a small group basis to ensure that they're mastering those competencies. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the ed tech space. eSchool News is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.